This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. Today's episode brings you data center optimization in government. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss a variety of issues facing government and industry leaders regarding data center optimization. With me on today's show are Sean Torpy, Acting Chief Information Officer and Deputy Assistant Administrator for Information and Technology at the FAA. Monique Bork, Assistant Director of Innovation, Engineering, and Data Center Operations, Department of Justice. Anthony Vincinelli, Federal Technology Director, Enlight Software. Melanie Parker, Division Chief, Enterprise Operations Center, Department of State. Jonathan Album, Chief Technology Officer, Veritas Public Sector. And David Peed, Vice President and General Manager of Equinex. Well, December 2010 was when we had the good old 25-point plan that sort of started this journey about, uh, you know, uh, what is a data center? How do we count data centers? How do we consolidate data centers? And then eventually we had Cloud First, and then, of course, just recently, OMB has issued Cloud Smart. And I would submit that a lot of the technology that is available now, you can make any data center really a cloud. And uh, Suzette Kent... uh, Reminds us all, just the other day, uh, number one priority, we need to make sure we're staying focused on the citizen services. We need to make sure we're staying focused on those farmers, those small business owners, the air traffic controllers, the diplomats, the law enforcement personnel, et cetera, et cetera. Sean, let's start off with you, and let's just talk about first progress that the FAA is making regarding data center optimization. Sure, sounds good. Thanks, yeah. Luke. Um, so when we first started this journey, um, you know, 13, 14 years ago, um, we had 367 data centers. So we had a very large footprint. Mm. And um, what we've done, you know, we went through and we started to consolidate because the journey's been, that's exactly what it's been. It's been this journey where before it was just about shutting down data centers. Now it's about optimizing data centers and getting workloads in the cloud. So the, it, the scope has changed, but it's gotten actually better. We've consolidated uh, 87 data centers down as of uh, this, this month, actually. Wow. We've, um, we awarded a cloud contract in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've migrated about 16, 17% of our workloads to the cloud, and we're looking at expanding that significantly. Um, Currently, right now, we also uh, did a big uh, push for our servers and virtualization. Sure. So we went through and we uh, have 71% of our servers are now virtualized. Um, we went to two main uh, enterprise data centers uh, 500 miles apart to make sure that we had high availability uh, in, in the agency. And now with our cloud offering, um, it gives us even more uh, flexibility. And what we have been able to do is actually uh, reduce our data center staff by 25%. So we've been able to optimize our footprint, shrink, 
um, look at workloads, getting them into the cloud, and lowering our maintenance costs um, from a people perspective. Well, that's fantastic. And for a person that does quite a bit of flying, we're glad that you do have some redundancy there. And, and, and you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's, 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 a, it, you know, it's goal congruence, right? It's data center optimization. A lot of this technology has allowed us to do right. this, the virtualization, et cetera. Right. Monique, how about it, Justice? I know you guys are up to a whole lot of good things over there regarding optimization. Right. So similar good news stories. So it's nice to be able to retrospectively take a look back and, yes. and look at this because the chain takes takes time, but it's been a very positive change for the department um, across this space. So we started out with 110 data centers. We uh, like to coin we're in our last mile. We're working towards three core enterprise facilities. We've matured those facilities and we're down to our last 12 to migrate over the next year, year and a half. So uh, it's been new, a journey. It has been. Uh, a little bit of elbow room and the new decoy guidance gave us a little bit more time, but mm -hmm. we've been tracking pretty well. Um, we also have been similar um, progress on our cloud migration front as well. Uh, we have, uh, you know, it's how you, we, we, we have over 100 systems. Those systems are loosely defined, you yeah, know, but uh, moved into the cloud. But it's across 13 of our components. So a good third of our components are active in the cloud space and have systems in production out there. We've moved over about 6,000 VMs and it's about six paratype of data out there now. Wow. Parabyte, petabyte, excuse me. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so you know, we, uh, we also have a department-wide contract vehicle for enterprise cloud task order. And so really what we have found is working closely with the components, breaking down the data sets, what is cloud ready has worked well. And, and we're working towards maturing some of the data center services so we can optimize right across the board. Um, so from a uh, sort of um, shared network infrastructure backbone, so you know, beyond the lift and shift, looking at the optimization there. How do, uh, we've, we have very well-run core enterprise facilities. We're comfortable with our, our facilities there. Um, and, um, and now we're looking at what can we do more. We have pockets of sort of um, best in breed with um, cloud, our cloud services. Um, and we're also building our on-prem cloud services at this point. Right. So it's all moving and maturing to the next level. Right, you're really sort of pushing it up the value chain now and, and uh, what you're starting to see, I know at Justice and other places, is organic builds, right? You know, it's not a lift and shift, it's a new build and maybe part of that runs in a, a private cloud, part of that runs in a public cloud, you know, it's meshed together. And a lot of that software, uh, Anthony, I know that uh, there, there's always all these different types of technology, really a tectonic shift in the technology that's allowing this to happen. So tell us what's happening in Enlight in regards to data center optimization. Yeah, absolutely. The Enlight's goal is to help our customers make progress with data center optimization. And we've sat at the, at the center of that for uh, since the DCOI memo first came out, the version one memo first came out. So being able to, to provide people with a process to gather that data to be able to look and start to make cloud smart decisions with that data positions us well for the, the second version of the memo, uh, right? So uh, what we found was that for folks to be able to start to make some of these decisions about what is going to be consolidated, what is going to be migrated uh, to maybe a co-located facility or shared service facility, or what's going to be moved to the cloud, folks had to have a... Um, a clear understanding of what they currently had to be able to rationalize what was going to be able to move where, to be able to have a, a, an accurate inventory of those assets, and then be able to make decisions based off of, you know, what should uh, what should we keep, what should we get rid of, right? So 
Enlight has been able to, to do that as well as uh, enable folks to share that data between either from an agency level up to the department level up to OMB mm -hmm. to create, uh, to kind of break down some of those barriers to share data across uh, across uh, um, across agencies and up to the department level. Yeah, I mean, what's really key about this, and the only way you're going to be able to optimize is you have to make informed decisions, right? And then it becomes, you know, okay, so now I understand what it is, and then I start to get into, okay, so where do I run this? And again, maybe I run it here, there, maybe I run it in both. Right? It's a it's a uh, a decision you can make once you've been informed, and better instrumentation lets but, you do that. Th that's true, and, yeah. and, that, and what we found is that there has been better and better guidance put out there for people to adopt a policy or sure, a strategy sure. going forward. Well, that's just that evolution. I mean, look, all of us were out there literally counting boxes and counting racks, and you know, and, and then saying, "Is this a data center? Is it not? I think it's a broom closet." You know, all those sort of yeah. things. So we're at a point now where you know. Things have gotten a lot more sophisticated, which is great, and the technology has allowed us to do that in a lot of cases. Melanie, we'll talk about a global footprint. You know, you, you all uh, are, are certainly uh, uh, working across the globe. Tell us what's happening over at uh, State in regards to optimization. Sure. Um, like my colleagues, Sean and Monique, has already said, and thank you, Luke, yes, we are global. Our we mission is global, are. right? So across the platform at Department of State, we've had the... Um, when you said 2010, I, my mind went back like, wow, I've been here doing this since FDCCI, <laughs> right? So it's been a long time, but we've made a lot of um, progress. One of the things, um, our first initiative was to capture, understand what we're working with, what we have, how many data centers do we have out there? And through that count, uh, we ended up with around 400 data centers, mostly domestic, but out of those 400 data centers, we're talking about over 150,000 pieces of equipment that we had to. And as you alluded to earlier, um, Luke, what is a data center? The definition has changed from each iteration, right? Yeah. With this optimization. So now we're working with M1919. The department, we've gone out, we've had 55 closures um, since the iteration of FDCCI. And it may not seem like a, a huge number, but when you're dealing with uh, overseas posts and other locations that are unique to our environment, um, we, we tout it as that's, that's a huge accomplishment for the team. Uh, something else at the department that we've looked into um, a few years ago, I mentioned that we stood up a modular data center farm out here locally um, in a metropolitan area. We are um, happy to just continue to announce that with that modular data center, uh, we've been able to stay at about a 1.1 PUE, you know, and with cloud and other technologies that we're um, implementing, we had the uh, virtualization first policy in place, and then we started leveraging on the cloud smart environment and things of that nature. So the Department of State, we're, we're right in line. And again, just to hear what Justice is doing in FAA, um, although the missions may be a tad bit different, we're, we're right in line with our other colleagues at the federal sector. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, you know, every agency, you know, has a very similar type story in some regards, or they're trying to follow the same rules and policies mm -hmm. and procurement, you know, regulations, et cetera. Uh, but they also have their own unique stories and, and things yes. that operationally that they have to deal mm -hmm. with. So it's very good to be pointing that out. Jonathan, how, how about over at Veritas? I, I know you all are very much involved in this data center optimization mm -hmm. activity and, and helping all the agencies uh, through the use of this great technology. Sure. So um, a couple of things and uh, some reactions to what, you know, we've, we've already heard. Uh, I think that the definition of what a data center is is really important. And, you know, it's changed, as uh, Melanie said, over time. And I think that gives some flexibility to CIOs to be really um, strategic about things they focus on closing versus things they don't focus on closing. Back when I uh, 
worked in the government, we were trying to close uh, things that were computer uh, server closets or you know a computer room, and that didn't really provide a lot of value. So now that we can be focused on you know closing things that are, are really look like data centers, we can use technology to uh, help us understand the systems and the data that's stored in those locations. And once you understand the data. Now you have a pathway, you know, because some data is going to fit better in different environments than others. Some data needs to be able to flow from one organization to another seamlessly, so it's going to impact where you host the system over the, over the long term. Uh, so it comes back to understanding, uh, from our perspective, it comes back to understanding what and where your data is, and then having a good plan for managing that data over, over the long term. And the other thing that I really like about the way this, uh, the new data center optimization memo is written it, it gives some nice uh, uh, incentives, I would say incentives, but there are metrics that we're trying to shoot for that seem achievable, right, and seem understandable. And um, that drives this whole uh, notion of IT analytics, right? You need to be able to capture data about your environment, not just the data in your environment, but data about your environment. And once you have that, now you can make even smarter choices about turning off uh, storage or turning off... Uh, data protection or turning off different things that are duplicative and not adding a lot of value. We've added a lot of technology over time and it doesn't always get used the way we expect it to. That's exactly right. And the technology, again, is so advanced now. And let's face it, you know, what gets measured gets done, but sometimes that has unintended consequences, right? And so as we learn to get, again, more fine-grained on this, and again, the technology continues to, uh, to present itself in a way that allows, you know, these sort of breakthrough capabilities right. to pursue. Yeah, it, it, All of a sudden, you know, you want the policies well, to be lining up to that. And what I found uh, over my career is if I can present information to executives in a way that's digestible and it's not um, very technical, but I can show them that this information uh, says you're spending more money than you need to because you're not taking these actions, and they can understand it in real terms, then I can get some mind share around uh, turning something off or moving something to the cloud or keeping something you know, on-premise because I can do a uh, you know, cost-benefit analysis that's straightforward and do it in terms that are uh, you know, common sense language. That, that's, I, I found over time, really critical to getting executive support for doing these, these things. You have to, right, because you have a risk anytime I'm gonna close something or change something, someone in a program might say, well, if you do this, XYZ is going to happen to the mission. Right. Well, when I can make it simple for people to understand what the impact is, then uh, I think you can get a yeah. lot more progress. It's all about informed decisions. Sounds like TBM, but that's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dave, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, capabilities at Equinex. You guys are right smack in the middle of this data center optimization journey. Tell us about what's happening over there. We are, and actually if you take uh, the combination of everything my colleagues have talked about, what I think we really feel is, you know, we give the agencies the ultimate flexibility to do really whatever they want to do at that time and in the future. Um, we have 200 data centers globally, um, so we kind of the ultimate distributed architecture and giving the agencies um, the flexibility to um, dynamically provision connectivity, working with partners like Verizon, as well as if your cloud provider today is Amazon and tomorrow you want it to be somebody else, um, all of those providers are in our data centers. And what most people don't understand about Equinix is they think of a data center, but all of our data centers are on dense fiber plant. And the true value of the company is the interconnectivity that it provides you. So um, 
whether, you know, and, and the agency's making a decision today that, you know, they want to outsource something to the cloud. Well, most likely the cloud provider is in our data center, and most of the cloud providers give really de deep discounts for uh, connecting through Equinix because it's, at, quite honestly, it's cheaper for them to do it that way. And again, you layer on like a partner like Verizon where they have, you know, uh, contract vehicles, le legacy experience, and you know, layering on security and dynamic provi pro provisioning. Um, it's a, it's a it's a really good story. Yeah, and let's face it: if you uh, the uh, none of this computing capability is is of much value if you can't get to it, right? And 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 get access to it, and to get access to it, reliability at high speeds, etc. We had a conversation earlier in the day about that. Um, I'd love to talk about specific programs. Monique, let me start with you at Justice. And can you give us an example of a specific program? I know you guys have a whole bunch of examples there that you all are working on that you'd like to share with the uh, community. Um, well, I think um, uh, not one of our biggest and sort of, you know, uh, 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 biggest uh, examples, but I think it's one of our recent breakthrough examples that I wanted to highlight, and we some like of those, those. Uh, you know, the smaller ones sometimes are the ones that sort of, you know, push the envelope. So um, one of our components um, recently went through moving, um, going into a cloud hybrid environment, so cloud mm. and hybrid on-prem, mm. and it was breakthrough in that it was dealing with some sensitive data, <coughs> right, and they were able to chart a path and move and close a smaller data center and move their data, and some of it's sensitive, so we had to deal with encrypting and moving it and transferring up and over, figuring out the path, what was cloud ready, you know, and um, what, what did not need to be re-engineered to move it to the cloud, and then come up with uh, architecting an approach so that we had uh, this combination hybrid with keeping some of the uh, uh, systems that weren't quite ready, keep them at the on-prem solution. We were able to uh, improve overall backup capability, you know, um, from a coop standpoint, uh, uh, economize and offer uh, a cheaper footprint going forward for them. So um, it was a success, success story all around, and it really involved um, <clears throat> the consulting services from our cloud management team at the OCIO, along with our enterprise sort of seed funding from the department to, to help this component move forward and move their data forward. So, um, so it was uh, a win-win for everyone, and also put some tools out in the cloud that a lot of our litigating community was using that hadn't yet really been in the in the cloud and used officially. So it sort of bridged some hurdles on which tool sets could go out there. Which is fantastic because it really sort of opens up that aperture and allows mm -hmm. uh, justice, of course, has several different litigating right. communities there and uh, de sort of de-risk that decision to allow other right. parts of the, the department, I would imagine, Right. to then use some of those tools and techniques that are available that are sort of cloud-ready or native right. cloud, right? Yeah, it really did. Um, it, it, to, to us, it was a, a nice success story at this point in our journey because we are looking at that next sort of layer of applications and systems to move to the cloud. Um, there's a, and, it, and it showed a path where this is data that, you, you, you know, there's a concern um, from leadership and management, you know, just where your data is, right? Sure. And so it's a legitimate concern, and so it helped us work through those concerns in a collaborative process and alleviate those concerns and come up with sort of uh, an approach that uh, addressed all of them. And then it also um, helped uh, uh, the mission folks. It's still, it, everything was moved with no downtime to the mission folks. The mission folks didn't even know it was being moved. It was all in the back end. Outstanding. And, and then it also helps to sort of move the hurdle of, of 
of those who want to keep their data still close to the vest. So it helped us sort of advance uh, and show that we can do that in certain circumstances, you know, with the right set of circumstances that it, it, it can be done. And this is how we sort of modify in a hybrid to meet all of our needs. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. So uh, you're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Data is the heart of everything we do. Malicious threats aim to exploit while regulations govern how your data can be stored, managed, and protected. Dealing with these challenges is difficult in a complex IT environment. With DLT Solutions and Veritas, you can optimize your data strategy without sacrificing availability, protection, and insights. Modernizing data protection with Veritas and DLT will keep you ahead of the game during the federal fiscal year end. To learn more, visit dlt.com backslash Veritas or call DLT today at 1-800-262-4DLT. Enlight is the leading software company for data center infrastructure management, with over 20 U.S. federal agencies using or deploying their solution. Enlight understands the requirements of the Federal Data Center Optimization Initiative and has developed modules for the mandated reporting, energy metering, server utilization monitoring, along with machine learning to improve availability. For more information, visit Enlight.com. That's N-L-Y-T-E dot com. Federal agencies are moving from siloed information infrastructures to integrated and dynamic infrastructures based on interconnection at the digital edge. At Equinix, a digital edge strategy gives federal agencies the required global coverage, interconnection, ecosystems, and partner density. With Platform Equinix, the global platform for digital government, we're helping federal agencies solve mission modernization and transformation challenges. Learn more at equinix.com forward slash industries forward slash government. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. With me on today's show are Sean Torpe with the FAA, Monique Bork with Department of Justice, Anthony Vincinelli with Enlight Software, Melanie Parker with the Department of State, Jonathan Album with Veritas Public Sector, and David Peed with Equinex. We were talking about data center optimization, and we were talking about specific programs. Uh, Jonathan, let me ask you in regards to Veritas. You guys sort of see a large footprint out there. Tell me about a specific program yeah, that so, uh, you'd like uh, to highlight. I, just yesterday, I was speaking to a leader in a federal financial agency, and they were very interested in using cloud to offset costs that they've carried for a long time for things like disaster recovery. So their goal is to use cloud as a DR location for systems that uh, fit nicely in the cloud and can run there um, over time. As opposed to moving all their systems to the cloud right off the bat, they'd rather uh, leverage cloud technologies to lower other costs, which I thought was a really uh, interesting, creative approach. And the challenge with that, of course, is being able to get your data into that uh, cloud environment quickly. So um, again, it goes back to understanding what the data is and understanding what your requirements are. But to the extent that you're able to um, understand those those questions, uh, when uh, something bad happens and you have the the cloud capability and you can spin that up quickly and and transport your data there, or maybe it's already there because of uh, how you've configured your DR, you're able to stay up and running um, very quickly. So cloud DR is something that Veritas is seeing quite a lot of. Uh, came up in a, the, this uh, CIO conversation yesterday as well. The other thing that I think um, we, we see a lot of are agencies who want to use the cloud as uh, a place to store their, their backups. So 
we have um, you know conception you know a conceptual architecture where we have data tiering so when you and again when you understand your data and you can make sure that your primary storage is pristine and has the data that you really need and um, other environments can have data that's important but not necessarily data that you interact with on a routine basis. Sure, and I, that cloud DR is a, is a slam dunk, right? We all need a good, solid, reliable, and inexpensive DR capability. Sean, you were talking about DR earlier, right. and uh, tell us a little bit about maybe a specific program in regards to some data optimization sure. activities. Sure. Um, so we, uh, you know, so. You know, we took the low-hanging fruit of you know the consolidation of these 87 data centers sure. into into the two, and then so it was the the whole process took us uh, down the path of um, okay, so let's take field data center our field servers, file servers, print servers. Let's consolidate those into our data center. So we Makes did sense. that. Mm-hmm. We also. Um, and, but in order to do that, we had to make sure that we had bandwidth availability for these remote sites. We have over a thousand sites for our, our mission support network. So if we're taking something from a facility, we have to make sure that the user experience is our user experience is solid, so that they don't um, say, "Well, I have you know I can't do my job." Sure. So we had to do a migration. Of, of circuits, upgrades of circuits, band, massive bandwidth upgrade across our entire network so we could then utilize um, the consolidation efforts. So we consolidated all, our, all of our field servers. Um, we eliminated 20 uh, backup grids. Um, and it gave us the opportunity that once we had all this uh, uh, file uh, and print server data in our data center, when we went to uh, looking at a digital storage cloud solution, it just made it easier. Had we gone and tried to jump from um, field uh, uh, storage directly to the cloud, it just wouldn't have worked for us. So we had to take the steps and the necessary uh, um, things to to make sure that the user experience was solid and making sure that once we um, pulled and got ready to go cloud for digital storage, uh, for people's, you know, home drives and whatnot, that uh, that it, it worked well for them and it didn't impact uh, the mission. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of that lift, shift, understand what you have, now it's accountable, right? right? And then you right. take the technology and move it into an optimization state. I think that's fantastic. Dave, how about at Equinex? I would imagine that you all are right smack in the middle of a lot of these activities that uh, are being described here. Give us a, one example of uh, a project where you would like to share that uh, is involved with some of this data center optimization techniques. Sure. Well, you know, the specific example I'll use, maybe not so much focus on the optimization piece, but I'll use it um, as I talked about. Once the data is at Equinix, it's fast and it's connected, and that's really the true value of the company. Um, In this instance, partnering with Verizon, there was a large civilian agency that found themselves in a predicament where the building they were in was owned by uh, foreign foreign ownership. Wow. And okay. so there was an issue. And so they needed to be out in a few months um, and partnered with Verizon proudly to say that we were able to move that agency into an Equinix data center uh, within that time period. And it was just a win-win for the agency and for Equinix and Verizon. And so for, you know, once now they're understanding the power of Equinix and what now that they're in our data centers, what that gives them, um, but the, having being able to transition him in that short period of time was something that we are 
we were all very proud of. Yeah, and you know, it just feels like you can start to get your arms around it once you sort of understand it, right? Because again, you've inventoried it, you know exactly what you have, you can make these informed decisions. Melanie, how about at State? Can you give us a specific example of a project that you all are working on there or had worked on um, that, uh, you know, sort of have cracked through this uh, journey of data center optimization? Certainly. Um, just recently, we um, actually this sunset a 10-year contract at um, a vendor location that uh, we had built a house of over 1,500 square feet and of data center uh, of our property there. And you had from HR resources and security resources, NGOs, consular, all of, we had all types of resources there. Um, but working, first thing we had to do was stand up a team of consultants to help us because um, it was a huge lift. And one of the things that Jonathan mentioned earlier was understanding what's in your inventory and using the tools that we have, um, properly using them and using them to their, you know, their fullest exposure. So that's, that's one of the things that we were able to do. We closed down a, a data center, one of our enterprise data centers. So we strengthened our in, um, enterprise data center services um, from four to three, moving the devices from off-prem back onto government-owned property. Um, and that was one of the reasons why we built the modular data centers. And we also have other enterprise data centers on the West Coast as well. But coming, um, looking at the optimization piece of it, we were able to take all of the, the devices at the particular location and then spread it across our environment, utilizing the tools that we already had in-house on the government prem. So that was a huge um, undertaking mammoth because just dealing with so many stakeholders, so many resources, everyone was priority. Um, and then when you thought you were at the, you know, the 11th hour and you were almost done, you know, there was that Easter egg, as they would say, hiding under, oh, this is an important NGO and we cannot close, you know, shut them down yet. So it was a lot of coordination and things of that nature, but it was a huge success for the department. Um, financially, it was a huge success. As uh, Monique had said, it was, a lot of it was done in the background, um, the networking and the core infrastructure. That was um, in the background when customers did not, was not aware, but the stakeholders that had to be at the table with us, understanding this is a priority, this is contract related, this, their, their dollars, um, cost savings that we were able to achieve by doing that. So that's a huge success story. Sure, for the and department. when you, you save that kind of money in a data center, you know, I call it sort of the electric bill money. That's money that's paid out you know, mm -hmm. every month, every quarter, every year. And you can reinvest that money into yes. some of these higher order, mm -hmm. higher value type capabilities. We have the Sean, opportunity yeah. to do that with um, money that we saved on that 25% of reduction in staff. We actually put that back into building a wireless infrastructure at all of our facilities. Right. So we didn't have to go back to the well. I mean, that's true. I mean, you look at the cost of data center footprint compared to cubes. It's significant. Sure. And so you're, you're managing all that infrastructure on your facility without the expertise. So um, lower, you know, that's immediate cost savings that we were able to kick back. Right. It's not cost avoidance. It's real cost savings. And the fact that, you know, OMB and a variety of others were involved in the policies to allow you to do that sort of cut, keep and reinvest uh, gives all the agencies the motivation to really focus on that and and uh, and self-fund some of these very important other programs, let's say. Uh, Anthony, how about it? And in light, I would imagine, you know, again, you know, the only way you can do this and do it smartly and do it efficiently is you have to be able to instrument this capability, understand right. what you have. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Instru tell us about maybe a project, a program that you've been working on that somebody, one of these agencies that have been working on using your capability. Yeah, absolutely. So whenever they, we talk about uh, optimizing the data center and looking at uh, migration of assets, um, either into a co-located facility or shared services facility, decommissioning assets out of the data center, that's a change management process. And so integrating into the existing change management processes that are uh, that are on site for everything else uh, should not exclude should not exclude the data center or work that's being done in the data center. So being able to and we've done this across you know civilian uh, Department of Defense Intel agencies is, is to be able to tie into those change management systems and build a process around that change. So not only are we managing or helping folks manage the um, you know what's currently being used. But let me, let me start to build efficiencies around getting things in and getting things out of the data center. Uh, things that are being received on the loading dock, making sure that things aren't staying too long in the data center or becoming you know, unmanaged in the data center, just you know, generating Or underutilized. Heat or underutilized, exactly. Uh, so building that, building that process to help folks with, uh, you know, for example, like good receiving to say, oh, this has just got on site. Um, I, I want to start to rack and stack this as quickly as possible. And whenever it's come to the end of its usable life, let's get it out and let's uh, make sure that there's a, you know, a, a chain of custody to make sure that we're getting that out. If you do that in a process or an agreed upon process, then you can start to measure it, right? And you can start to then forecast for how, um, how well you're doing, how well one group is doing versus another. And so, um, and so those, those are some things we've seen yeah. some real- Yeah, if you can measure it, you can manage it. And uh, well, let, let's move over and talk about uh, lessons learned. Uh, all of you are early adopters or have been involved with folks that are early adopters. I'm gonna start with you, Melanie. Uh, sometimes there's unintended consequences, right, behind some of these things and these different activities. Can you share with the audience some lessons learned uh, that they can, uh, you know, take in and, you know, uh, learn from the wisdom of, of some of the activities that you all have done over there? Certainly. Um, I don't think I'm going to say anything earth-shattering or breaking news. Well, sometimes it's, it's just a small uh, little nuance, a little small right? Thing. And it makes a big difference. It's, for us, it, it all stemmed on communication, right? Um, I was speaking with the team before coming here, and is communication or is it the empowerment of senior leadership or the endorsement of senior leadership, I think they go hand in hand. They're 1A and 1A working together. Um, we can communicate all day long, but if you don't have the backing, and again, because of our environment, the type of, and like you said, Luke, every uh, organization has their own unique um, nuances going on, but in our organization, not having the backing of the senior leadership, but having that backing and not um, appropriately communicating it, one of our successes, lessons learned, is that we are not only working with IT professionals, but we're also working with those beside us that electricity build, those facility personnel. Having them to understand from an IT seat, and as I, Jonathan, I'm using you again because Jonathan talked about bringing the message down to a level that you can communicate and that they understand. Bringing that message down to a level where um, they may not understand petabytes and all, terabytes and all of these other things, but when we're talking about PUE and um, the other monitoring electricity type of uh, environmental core things, having that communication at their level so they understand that being invested in this mission that we're all in it together. It's not just the IT side of the house, but we have to work collectively as a team to um, actually achieve and meet those mandates that OMB and others are throwing at it, even if it's cloud smart, because you have to work with them um, to understand 
um, the environment and how to elevate what if we're going to be in a hybrid situation or if we're going to, you know, this financial system can't go in a cloud for whatever reason. However, that other metrics counting for the assets can go in a cloud system. So it's a collective effort and it's continual communication. One of the things that we did is we established a, a quarterly and we're doing it right now quarterly, um, but we did a um, basically a, a round table quarter so that we're communicating the message to all of the stakeholders, regardless if it's budget, if there are facilities or if they're IT, everyone hears the same message and we're getting the message and then we have the Q&A and it's working well. Communication, 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 plain language, and let's face it, I don't care mm -hmm. who you are, pretty much everyone's paid an electric bill, so they understand that. Jonathan, how about at Veritas? Can you give us yeah, one sure. example yep. of uh, well, a yeah, lessons so, learned? So I think what, I, what we've seen is that complexity ruins IT, right? So taking complexity out lowers risk and gives you a greater chance to operate um, smoothly. So one, one of the complexities that uh, we see, and I saw as a CIO, is too many different products in a data center. They all have to get integrated together, and uh, they're very smart engineers that can do that. However, uh, when there are stress conditions, peak, peak season, whatever, whatever it is, sometimes those uh, integrations fail. So um, falling back on established platforms, I think, is a, is a best practice. And at Veritas, we have an enterprise data services platform that you know, helps ensure data, to be, data and systems to be available. Um, data protected and then available so you can get insight out of it. So availability, protection, and insight is sort of where we, you know, begin and end our conversations, how you get there. And you get there through platforms and you get there through less complexity. Lower your complexity, raise your capability. Sean, how about at the FAA? Uh, I'm sure you have some lessons learned as you guys have been on this journey moving through the optimization capability. Well, it sounds like Melanie works in my agency because we're dealing with the same, <laughs> same, same sorts of things. Um, uh, people, process, technology. Yeah. Technology is sound. Process is through you know, NIST 853, Rev 4, 5, whatever, uh, you know, all of FedRAMP. That's, that's the, it's the people part. So... One lesson learned that we learned or that really can't rung true with us is so you're, sh you're lowering this footprint for your people. What's going to happen with your workforce? Workforce is saying, is my job being outsourced? What, you know, and, and these are people who are dedicated that have brought us up to this point. So you need a solid workforce design to make sure that those people see, okay, what does the next five years look like? What does it look like for me professionally? How can I um, get better skills and get retooled to make sure that I'm uh, there a part of 2025? So that was a big lesson learned for us. And that's you know, the, the stakeholder part of the people within your own organization. Um, data center optimization is not realized unless you have portfolio rationalization. You, a lift and shift doesn't work. Okay, it saves you. Certainly, if you stay there, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it, so it, it works from a standpoint. Okay, so immediately we get there uh, and get it into the cloud, lower our footprint, decommission, whatever. Is it tied to mission? Do you have redundancy? Can you look at those workloads, those functions, and can you consolidate? And that's uh, as uh, Melanie was pointing out. It's senior leadership to understand. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at a national or uh, air traffic control facility, and they have uh, workloads that have to be um, 
centrally located or what have you, we've got to make sure that they understand exactly what we're doing with that, uh, w with that function, that part of the mission, so that they buy in. And sure. the same with the aviation safety side. I mean, just every, and everyone has their, their groups that they have to work with. And that user experience needs to be the same or better than it was when you started the project, Absolutely. right? Very important. Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to take another short break. Uh, you're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Data is the heart of everything we do. Malicious threats aim to exploit while regulations govern how your data can be stored, managed, and protected. Dealing with these challenges is difficult in a complex IT environment. With DLT Solutions and Veritas, you can optimize your data strategy without sacrificing availability, protection, and insights. Modernizing data protection with Veritas and DLT will keep you ahead of the game during the federal fiscal year end. To learn more, visit dlt.com backslash Veritas or call DLT today at 1-800-262-4DLT. Enlight is the leading software company for data center infrastructure management, with over 20 U.S. federal agencies using or deploying their solution. Enlight understands the requirements of the Federal Data Center Optimization Initiative and has developed modules for the mandated reporting, energy metering, server utilization monitoring, along with machine learning to improve availability. For more information, visit Enlight.com. That's N-L-Y-T-E dot com. Federal agencies are moving from siloed information infrastructures to integrated and dynamic infrastructures based on interconnection at the digital edge. At Equinix, a digital edge strategy gives federal agencies the required global coverage, interconnection, ecosystems, and partner density. With Platform Equinix, the global platform for digital government, we're helping federal agencies solve mission modernization and transformation challenges. Learn more at equinix.com forward slash industries forward slash government. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. With me on today's show are Sean Torpe with the FAA, Monique Bork with Department of Justice, Anthony Vincinelli with Enlight Software, Melanie Parker with Department of State, Jonathan Album with Veritas Public Sector, and David P. With Equinex, we're talking about data center optimization. We were talking specifically about lessons learned. I'm going to throw it over to you, Anthony, at Enlight Software. Tell us about a lessons learned that you'd like to share with our community yeah, in absolutely. respect to uh, you know some of these activities and projects that have been going on that you guys have been involved in. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what we find is that we tend to sit, uh, we Enlight tend to sit in between IT and facilities, mm. and that is sometimes not... It can be a tricky place to be. <laughs> it can, yeah. So you're sometimes not speaking the same language to one another, right? And so what we find was is to just continue to ask questions and to, and to focus on what the mission or the goal is for optimizing the data center. And so one of the, one of the examples that, that, that comes to mind is that we were looking to instrument to get some real-time data from uh, specifically from some, uh, from some of the infrastructure in the, in the building, right? But the customer did not own the building, and so they could not, mm. they couldn't get the metrics that they needed to, to to measure, right? And so they were thinking about, you know, investing money to 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 uh, kind of uh, get the sensors where they needed to to be able to to get this data. And it just it just came down to, well, let's just ask if we can get a data feed from from the building, right? It was just that one question that said they said, yeah, absolutely. You can't, from a security standpoint, you can't tie into us, but we can give you the data. Right? So it was just that one question that, that then allowed us to move forward, allowed us to get a rich data set where then people could start to say, oh, this is what we're actually using uh, 
from a from a building power perspective. Sure. Right? Sometimes all you have to do is ask, and a lot of times you need to know what to ask for, right? That's right. Sometimes and you're into those situations. Monique, let's uh, let's sh- uh, you shared a bunch of things over at Justice that you're doing there. Tell us about a lessons learned that you'd like to uh, to share with the community that uh, maybe a gotcha or something a positive or a negative. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I echo Sean and Melanie's comments. I mean, it really is the, uh, it's, it's, it's the relationships, it's the trust factor. At the end of the day, it's our colleagues. You know, we're holding each other accountable. It's our industry partnerships. So that is definitely high, and it resonates from the all throughout the organization. Um, I, I think I, I wanted to highlight a couple other areas that I thought have. You know, it took a little growing pains, but we worked through, and I think we're in a good cadence now that has helped us. We have a really integrated our our DCTI Data Center Transformation Initiative team with our cloud management team. They're side by side. They go to the Makes meetings sense. with the teams. They really have helped, and and that took a little while to get our arms around that and 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 have everyone think of it that way. But really, um, sharing that knowledge, they share staff. They they can go out, and it's it's. You know, as soon as they're talking to one customer component, we know exactly what the issue is. We can help them resolve right there. You know, we, a time is so limited. So you get an hour or half an hour meeting with someone to have all the right resources and subject matter expertise, you know, focused in a few people, critical people that when they're meeting, even with industry partnership across cybersecurity, across our operations, you know, we're trying to mature our tick services, all those things come into play. And you know, working with our industry partners because we those are the people that we meet up with. You know, Microsoft, Amazon, whoever we're working with. Mm-hmm. You know, we're dealing with with performance issues. You know, um, you're hitting like you know, oh, you can't. You know, you're hitting those upper limits when you're trying to transfer data and mm-hmm. sort of working through all those tricks of the trade and making sure all that information is disseminated. So having that really closely integrated team. It's, it's a few folks. It's not a lot, you know. You know, in our case, it's less than six, you know. And but they can really share that knowledge, and so we are that brain trust that can help in those critical situations. And and the and the perceived go-to people in, in the department. So that has really helped. Sure, sort of fusing them all together, forming your your own sort of SEAL Team Six, if you will, of capability there to to, to work through. It makes a lot of sense. Um, well, we always like to uh, to roll it up and, and talk about sort of what the future looks like. I'm going to ask you, Dave, we're going to do a little bit of a twofer here, maybe a quick lessons learned, and then tell us about the future. You know, what's it look like for an agency that wants to use your goods and services in, you know, three years, uh, uh, three to five years type thing? What, what's what's cooking over there in the uh, in the lab at Equinox? Sure. So, so on the first question, I, I think I love the term cloud of smart. I mean, I think that's really, in essence, what most of the dialogue has been about is cloud smart. And so kind of for the agencies to take a step back and look at the total cost of ownership and what's going to happen in the next five or 10 years because the world is getting more interconnected. And that's really the true value of what Equinix does. In the future, I, I believe most dynamic is going to be software-defined networking. If you think of uh, the network, like your iPhone, and just how much uh, and you can think of the network that way, that people are going to be spinning up apps that are running on the network that you never even thought of. And so if you uh, think of it like your iPhone and how much uh, that's changed, you think, well, I need a clock. No, you don't need a clock. It's on your phone. I need a camera. No, you don't. It's on your phone. And the network is going to be that way, and it's going to integrate in with the data centers. And so it's going to change the architecture of what we do because people, brilliant people, are going to be writing these apps that run across the network, and it's going to do data center optimization. It's going to do network functions. 
Uh, we have a, a software-defined interconnect uh, um, partnership with Verizon where they're dynamically provisioning uh, connectivity between our data centers. Mm. And you're just going to see more of that, and it's going the application is going to be broader, and I think uh, where it's going to go is going to be limitless. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't really think about that, but you know, you really do have an end-user device optimization <laughs> on your phone, right? So I guess we've all sort of personally experienced that, right? So, uh, Jonathan, uh, how about at Veritas? I and mean, you guys are always cooking things up there. You know, sure. well, what's the future look like so, in so regards we, we to that? So we think the future, um, you know, is heavily driven by data, and you know, the data. It's in all the about the data, right? It's all about the data, and the, the data in our data centers will is what will drive our adoption of machine learning artificial intelligence, um, data-driven decisions, evidence-based uh, policy-making act, all that data is in the data centers we're talking about here. And an agency's ability to uh, access that data when they need it um, and their trust in the data, that it's the right data, they have a, um, <clears throat> they have a great opportunity to use emerging technologies to really transform the way they serve, they serve the citizen. But it, Again, it all comes back to the data, and if they're if agencies are able to uh, harness the power of that data, they can do great things. You can't do that in an unoptimized environment. And you know, data center optimization is not just about having fewer data centers, but it's about having data centers that operate, you know, at peak performance, right? So it's the using the uh, tools that we've talked about or that are in our environments today, or ones we acquire, in order to really fine tune what's left what's managed by, uh, by feds in these, in these organizations. And that's a big part of getting your hands around the data in your environment that will drive uh, the future of your agency. Yeah, it's you know, optimizing the performance and, 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 and having the capability to, to scale up and perform during, again, these right. peace stress periods. Yeah, you, you Every agency right. has their own sort of that, dynamic to that's that. That's right. right. You can't do that if, if, you're, if you're overwhelmed by dark data. Or dark stories, sure. right? Or redundant, obsolete, and trivial data. You really need to be um, uh, focused on on what your data is and managing what's necessary to move forward. Hundred percent, or suboptimized computing. Uh, Melanie, how about at state? If I'm a if I'm a freshly minted diplomat coming into the State Department, or you know, there's a new CIO coming in five years, what's that going to look like? What's that environment going to be? What's the future look like for the State Department? Well, first of all, I'm probably still be around, so I'll welcome you to Department of State. <laughs> well, it's not me. It could be anybody, right? <laughs> right, right, whoever. Right. Um, what does it look like? Uh, what does it feel I, like? I, I mean, what, what, are you, what, I, what are you guys cooking over there? Looking at more automation. You know, we, we talked about the people aspect. People aspect um, is good. Um, artificial intelligence that cannot hold this type of conversation and things of that nature. So the people element, but we still need to look at automation. Um, optimization and we need to look at it from a standpoint that um, those things that can be automated we do and those things kind of hybrid thing I think it was said earlier today we look at cloud smart again another mandate we're looking at that but we don't throw some of the good things that are working um, like the virtual first policy like the cloud first that has now elevated to to cloud smart we don't throw those things out of the door but we can enhance and we can modernize and stand on those I'm also looking at more shared services I think that um, the federal agencies and just from some of the other community of practice events that we attend, we hear more and more about shared services. How can I leverage? Monique may have something great going on over at, um, over at Justice, 
and why would I reinvent the wheel? I can go and speak with Monique or Sean and their staff and you know, figure out how can we either leverage what they already have by you know, standing up our own if necessary, but why stand up of our own if we can leverage shared services through their organization? Of course. And, you know, look, I mean, the federal government's doing, hadn't been doing shared services for a long time. I mean, the, the payroll systems at USDA and a couple of the other agencies mm -hmm. have been in place for two and three decades, right? They right. work really well. And again, now some of this technology that's available, it allows an agency to become a shared service provider uh, a whole lot more effective and efficient than, uh, than has been done in the past, which is really great. I mean, I think that's all part of... Uh, you know, smart computing, right? Yes. And smart uh, capabilities is leveraging these various assets. Um, uh, Anthony, how about at Enlight? What, what does the future look like? What, what do you see out there as we're trying to sort of work through sort of the next generation of this capability? Uh, what is Enlight going to be able to offer uh, in those types of circumstances? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of classify that as, you know, the near future and then maybe a little bit further future. Sure. Right? So in the near term, the near zero, term would be what? One year, two zero years? To, zero to one years. Zero to say. one year. So that's very near. We're talking <laughs> so yeah, three say, to five years here. So currently yeah. we can we are looking or we we do uh, artificial intelligence for being able to predict events in the data center. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, the prerequisite to that was having the right type of metering in place to be able to gather enough information to feed the AI to get, mm -hmm. to get trustworthy predictions, mm -hmm. right? And so currently we're, we are able to look at things like temperature, uh, any of the telemetry in the data center really, to be able to inform us about temperature spikes or uh, power spikes in the data center. And we can currently do that with uh, in 60 minutes, 60 minutes into the future. Right, so we can say, oh, because of the workloads in this area of the data center, because of the temperature, because of the time of year it is uh, that, you know, might be summer versus winter. Right, we may have a temperature spike in the data center. So that is that is the current state of things. What I see is that uh, the the trust uh, the the. The AI needs to start to earn our trust, right? To be able to then add automation onto that. What am I able to then tell? Let the uh, you know trigger from those events from an automated perspective. Um, and so, uh, what we start to see then is then being able to intelligently move workloads between on-prem or colo or cloud solutions to be able to 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 divert those workloads to where they most efficiently would run, or they would. Um, where we have the most availability or the least risk, right, based off of what sure. our Sure. I mean, that's awesome. If you think about it, you know, in order to make AI effective, right, you've got to have good information, good data, good patterns. And uh, the fact that you're collecting this data in, in a way that's uh, secure and, and all those sort of things and feeding a, an AI uh, engine to allow it to, to make those decisions, fascinating, right? It makes a lot of sense. Monique, how about at Justice? Uh, what does the future look like? You know, you're you're sort of in uh, almost a second stage there. It sounds like, yeah. based on your description, you know, what does it look like in three to five years um, for the Justice Department? Yeah. So, I mean, our goal and our vision is, you know, it, it, you know, is to continue to maturing these these shared services. So, and one of the key for us at Justice is sort of with, we have our data strategy, sharing strategy out that we released earlier this year is how do we sort of marry that with our vision, with data center optimization, our cloud smart strategy going forward. And at the end of the day, we would like to have our data located 
in the most optimal locations, right? To, to move forward and harness its knowledge and intelligence and how can we use that to move and improve our mission support going forward. So that's sort of like our end goal. All these layers we're working on should help us move towards uh, advancing our mission and be, be sort of um, uh, partnered and ready to uh, take advantage, fully take advantage of the data analytics piece as we move forward. So really positioning yourself so that uh, data is available when and where you need it. And right. then, you know, being smart about, you know, the analytics behind right. that, whether it's AI or any of these other capabilities. Right. And the network piece, you know, we're, you know, we have the speeds in place. It's not a hindrance. We're making use of our appropriate industry partners to make sure we're getting the performance we should and expect. You know, data secure. It's appropriately, uh, uh, you know, reused based on your access and ability from a sharing perspective. You know, you don't have access to data you're not supposed to. So all those sort of gates and everything are built in. And at the end of the day, you know, they're not barriers to being able to perform your right. mission. You don't have to sort of Frankenstein all that together with all these different right. technologies to try to make that kind of capability yeah. work. Makes a lot of sense. Sean, how about at the FAA? What, what does that look like out there? I know we've heard a lot in the news about sort of the next generation of FAA and mm -hmm. some of these automated capabilities that you all are putting together, et cetera, being able to have more density in the AORs, all that kind of good stuff. So what does that future look like for the FAA in three to five years? Sure, so uh, we just spent some time this past spring and summer looking at our next, you know, our five-year strategy for IT, 20 mm -hmm. to 25. And you know, one of the pillars that we're looking at is uh, uh, user experience and making sure that's improved so that um, FAA employees, uh, safety inspectors, air traffic controllers, uh, just everyone who supports the mission can do their job easier. They can use these tools and they can do the, uh, do the, make it easier for them to work. And then also on the flip side, uh, showing um, our industry partners uh, manufacturers, uh, airlines, uh, drone operators. Drone operators are uh, exploding at this point and making sure that they have the user experience to interact with the agency to um, to make sure that it's just easier for them to uh, do what they want to do within the airspace. Um, so I kind of go back to some of the things that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Really, it's it's a portfolio rationalization. It's about data management and governance strategy. Having all these things in place workforce design that we talked about, and then, um, quite honestly, uh, that stakeholder partner um, piece that will really enable uh, cloud machine learning and AI, because those are going to be the enablers of this user experience that we're trying to uh, work towards. Drive innovation through, um, uh, you know, doing the right things, uh, kind of the legwork, so that um, you know people really see the value of our mission. Sure, and that workforce, you know, sort of design workforce entity as you, you evolve this technology, super important to bring them along, right? So they feel like they're, they're part of the mission, right? Uh, so that's uh, important. Well, fascinating topic, and I want to thank all of you uh, for taking your time out of your busy schedules to join us for this program. I'd also like to thank the sponsors for Without We Don't Have a Show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Radio that make this program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the, the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
thank you for listening to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to it in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.